Hello, and thank you for tuning into the podcast. This is Derek here, and I just wanted to uh, talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, probably not too much. Obviously, they lost the game tonight against the New York Knicks. Uh, I'm not all that concerned about, like some people are getting upset about how the Milwaukee Bucks were playing during the preseason. I'm not all that concerned about that, and I'm not all that concerned about how they started off the regular season. So the Bucks obviously lost to the Boston Celtics a few nights ago off of a lucky Jason Tatum made three-pointer uh, a banked three-point shot that went in and obviously Giannis ended up missing uh, the free throw that could have tied the game. That game in and of itself uh, was frustrating however I do believe that in the long run that when we're thinking about the big picture of the Milwaukee Bucks, obviously we want them to be successful during the postseason. And anytime they can have some sort of postseason experience, I believe that it's a good thing. I believe that it was a good thing for Giannis to be able to experience playoff pressure at the line in game one of the first game of the regular season. So, that was a good thing that Giannis got to experience. As far as game two against the Golden State Warriors, it was satisfying to see the Milwaukee Bucks win that game by nearly 40 points. I did see some people on Twitter say that this win was a satisfying win for the Milwaukee Bucks. I will never tell fans, uh, other fans, how they should be fan fanning the Milwaukee Bucks, how they should be following the Milwaukee Bucks. You can be happy when they win a game. You can be upset when they lose a game. Was I satisfied by uh, by the Milwaukee Bucks winning that game by 40 points against the Golden State Warriors? In some ways, I was satisfied because they won the game by a lot of points. But again, I did feel like they didn't do enough to prevent open three-point shots for the Warriors. Obviously, they gave up three-pointers that they didn't mind giving up to that Warriors team, but was I satisfied by that defense when I look at the way the Milwaukee Bucks lost during the postseason, giving up wide-open three-pointers, uh, playing that drop-back pick-and-roll coverage uh, that Mike Budenholzer likes to play. Was I happy about all of that? Absolutely not. When I look at that game against the Warriors, I feel like that was still a weakness that the Milwaukee Bucks were giving up, and I still wasn't satisfied with that. I wasn't satisfied with the way that Giannis was shooting the basketball. Uh, I feel like his shot is is what it is. It's an ugly looking jump shot. He the way that he shoots it, it's it's almost too uh, too awkward. It it almost looks like Charles Barkley's golf swing. Just the way that he winds up and releases it, just it doesn't look right. I'm not sure that he will ever be able to fix it. It does concern me with Giannis, uh, especially when we think about how he might uh, end up being during his 30s. Like, 
once he gets into his 30s, I am concerned that Giannis will lose some of his athleticism and he will have to develop some sort of old man's game uh, like Michael Jordan had to do later in his career when he lost a little bit of his athleticism, being able to dominate from the mid-range, having some sort of jump shot. And it doesn't have to be a 15 to 17 foot jumper. It just needs to be some little turnaround uh, jump shot from the post or maybe some sort of baby hook or whatever, some sort of old man type of game that he can go to that will help him endure through his 30s because once he loses this great and explosive athleticism hopefully he'll be able to uh, sustain this athleticism for a long portion of his career like LeBron James has been able to do but it does concern me that Giannis uh, will lose some of this athleticism going forward and that he won't have some sort of jump shot to rely on. Like you look at a guy like Derrick Rose, for example. Derrick Rose won an MVP, I believe, at the age of 22. However, uh, after his injuries and as he's gotten older, Derrick, Lo Derrick Rose has lost a lot of the explosiveness that he used to rely upon when he was younger and his jump shot really isn't all that great. Like he has improved it over his career, but at best, Derrick Rose is uh, now just a mediocre point guard. So I don't think Giannis will ever be that bad, like as bad as Derrick Rose. I still think he'll be an effective player uh, as he gets older, but he does need to develop some sort of jump shot uh, it's It looked ugly against the Golden State Warriors. I didn't get to see the game tonight against the New York Knicks, uh, but he does need to develop that sort of jump shot. And the Bucks need to put, like the Bucks coaching staff needs to put him in uh, positions where he will be able to be most effective and utilize uh, his his skill set. Like Shaquille O'Neal, for example, you look at Shaquille O'Neal, uh, obviously, could he lead a team all by himself? No, he's, he needed help from players like Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade in order to win an, an NBA, in order to win NBA championships. But Shaq was able to still be a very dominant player win multiple MVPs, be a very important 1A or 1B on those NBA championship teams, uh, mainly just dominating from the post. Like, did he have an outside jump shot? No, he didn't. Did he have a mid-range jump shot? No, he didn't. Did he attack the hoop like Giannis did? He didn't even do that. Shaq, what Shaq was able to do was that he was a powerful, dominant force in the paint, and they got him the ball over and over again. Phil Jackson put him in the right positions where he could be most effective and be Shaquille O'Neal. The Milwaukee Bucks coaching staff needs to do the same thing with Giannis. I get concerned when I see Giannis... Uh, walk up with 
uh, pull-up three-pointers in transition. Occasionally, he can do some of that stuff, like he hit a crucial three-pointer in the first game against the Boston Celtics, a clutch three-point shot. Occasionally, he can pick his spots to do that. I just don't think... I don't think he should be taking tons of threes. I'd like to see him shoot from the mid-range a little more. I'd like to see him develop uh, a better post-game. Like, it, it's too bad that uh, Vin Baker hasn't gotten him to develop the type of post-game that he had when he was a player, just being able to turn around and hit a little jump shot, uh, hit a little bank shot, like maybe like Tim Duncan or whatever, uh, do some sort of up and under, have, have more post moves than just the power move uh, at the basket and slamming it home. So uh, he does need to learn how to play the game better. So I am concerned with the way that Giannis uh, is playing right now. He's still a very dominant force, but they need to, the coaching staff needs to utilize his skill set even more. So as far as how I'm looking at this Milwaukee Bucks season, I'm not all that concerned about the way they've started the season. Like I am concerned that Mike Budenholzer isn't going to make the proper adjustments uh, that will be needed to for the Milwaukee Bucks to succeed in the playoffs. So we'll watch and see uh, if he decides to change, because if he doesn't, the season is kind of hopeless anyways. Uh, maybe the Bucks will end up being so bad that they will replace Mike Budenholzer with Darvin Ham. I have no idea if Ham would end up being a great head coach, but uh, we'll see what the what happens with the Bucks during the regular season. I'm more concerned about the process of this season. I'm not concerned if the Bucks end up with a first seed, with a second seed, third seed, fourth seed, fifth seed, whatever. Uh, Miami last year had the number five seed, made the NBA Finals. Two years ago, the Toronto Raptors uh, ended up with the two seed in the postseason, ended up making the Finals. I believe the year before that, Cleveland was the fourth or fifth seed and ended up making the NBA Finals. Uh, all those teams end up going through some sort of skids during the regular season. All those teams have bad losses like the Bucks had tonight against the New York Knicks where they get completely crushed by those teams. So I'm not necessarily concerned as much with the result. Obviously, I'd like to see the, the Bucks win as many games as possible. But what I am most concerned about is how, how the Bucks look in all of these games, whether they win the game or lose the game. Uh, like I said against the Golden State Warriors, I'm happy they won that game, but I was not satisfied with how the defense looked. The the open three-point shots they were giving the Warriors that the Warriors had missed over and over in that game because it sounds like the New York Knicks uh, hit those same three-point shots that the Warriors were not making the other night. And that the Miami Heat uh, basically killed the Bucks uh, over and over and over again during uh, last postseason. That the Raptors were making the postseason before that. Uh, so we will see if uh, 
if Mike Budenholzer can make the proper adjustments, can get the Bucks playing uh, the postseason t- style of basketball that they need to play uh, once they get to that that point, if he can get his team prepared during the regular season for postseason success. So that's what uh, I'm most focused on. Again, I didn't watch this game against the New York Knicks tonight. Uh, I'm not all that concerned if they win or lose some of these games. Uh, I remember watching closely the Miami Heat uh, for many, many years, being that I'm a Dwayne Wade fan. Uh, I've been a Dwayne Wade fan since his days at Marquette, and I followed the Miami Heat closely, especially when the Milwaukee Bucks were bad. The Bucks have always been my favorite NBA team. However, uh, during those bad years, I needed some reason to still watch the NBA, and those Dwayne Wade Miami Heat teams were sort of my uh, 1A or 1B, I don't know how to say that, 1B style team that I was uh, watching uh during those lousy Milwaukee Bucks years. And I remember those Miami Heat teams would sometimes have skids during the regular season. They would have bad losses. Uh, I remember in 2005, that team started off the year 10 and 10. They go on and fire Stan Van Gundy. Uh, Pat Riley uh, becomes the head coach of that Miami Heat team. They end up finishing the season 52. 52- 52 and 30. I believe they end up with the second or third seed in the Eastern Conference, end up going to the NBA Finals and end up winning an NBA championship. So again, I'm not all that concerned about uh, the results during the regular season, mainly just that the Bucks are preparing to have playoff success. So that's all I have to say about the Milwaukee Bucks regular season start. We will see how they look as the season goes on. Drew Holiday looks promising. Uh, he looks like an upgrade from Eric Bledsoe. I like some of the pieces that they have. I wish Tory Craig was getting more playing time because I think they will need his defense on some of these great scoring wings and so forth but we will uh we'll we'll go ahead and see what happens as the season progresses i'm looking forward to seeing how the bucks look against the miami heat during these next two nights Okay, so what I like and don't like about following the modern NBA, particularly as an NBA fan. So I've made kind of a random list here. It's in no particular order. You'll hear a thing that I like at one point and a thing that I don't like and back to a thing that I like. I was going to, I did think about, uh, including some sort of political topic in here, given the fact that the NBA has been very political over the past few years. However, I've decided to to try to make this a political-free podcast, especially when talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and sports in particular. Uh, however, sometimes the NBA 
does get political sometimes, despite uh, myself as a fan not wanting to think about politics while I'm watching an NBA game. Sometimes the NBA forces us as fans to take a political stance on an issue. However, I've decided not to bring that topic up when discussing this list. So particularly as an NBA fan, what do I like and not like about following the modern NBA? Again, this is in no particular order. So the first thing, a thing that I like about following the modern NBA, uh, I like the fact that 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 we've kind of had this uh, renaissance or enlightenment over the past five or ten years of having more educated writers who know what they're talking about in following the NBA. So people like Zach Lowe, for instance, who can explain plainly to fans what certain analytical stats mean, explain what teams are doing uh, as far as their schemes and whatnot. Writers like, for example, a local writer who covers the Milwaukee Bucks, Eric Name. Eric Name, I've learned a lot about, particularly about the tactical things that the Milwaukee Bucks are doing on the floor from listening and reading Eric Name's work. Uh, He is one of the best to learn from if you want to follow what the Milwaukee Bucks are doing on the floor. I feel like he is the guy who, who is the first to explain to fans what the Milwaukee Bucks are doing in their drop back pick and roll coverage. The fact that the point guard, such as Eric Bledsoe, during the past few years, basically forcing his man over the screen into the mid-range area and then having Brooke Lopez drop back in pick-and-roll coverage to defend the rim, that basically what the Milwaukee Bucks are trying to do is force players to take shots in the mid-range, given the fact that Mid-range shots are supposedly the worst shots to shoot from an analytical perspective. So he is great at uh, explaining what the Milwaukee Bucks are doing there, uh, about explaining uh, the different actions that take place on the floor. Not just saying that the Bucks are running a floppy action, uh, just particularly going into detail what a floppy action is what what players are doing and so forth. So I like the fact that there's kind of been an enlightenment or a renaissance of writers who know what they're talking about when discussing the NBA. Sometimes too you'll listen to former players who supposedly are supposed to be experts on the game of basketball in particular. And sometimes they're horrible at explaining different concepts to fans. Sometimes they they also just don't seem to know what they're talking about. Uh, like, for example, Mark Jackson. I still don't... I, I feel like he is one of the luckiest NBA players uh, during their post-NBA career. I have no idea how he got a job as a... Uh, color analyst on an NBA broadcast. I don't think he does a great job of, of explaining the game. 
Uh, he sounds kind of robotic and just sort of has a monotone type of voice. I have a monotone type of voice on this podcast. But I, again, I just don't enjoy listening to his coverage. I don't think he always stays focused on the game when he's talking about it. Like the other night, uh, they were explaining that James Harden uh, has some sort of fine from the NBA, $50,000 fine related to breaking COVID protocol. And uh, they were getting, like Mike Breen asked for their thoughts on all of that. And for whatever reason, Mark Jackson decides to take it even further and discuss how the league isn't doing enough to stop guys like that. Like, again, I don't want to make this a political podcast, but it's just stuff like that. Like Mark Jackson just, he doesn't seem, he's not that entertaining and he doesn't seem to explain the game very well to fans. And I don't know how he got a job doing color commentary for NBA games. It led him into a job as an NBA head coach. And to me, he wasn't that great of a head coach for the Golden State Warriors. To me, that Warriors team was loaded with talent and he was kind of holding that team back. And it wasn't until Steve Kerr took over the franchise that they really started to accelerate even more. Now, you could argue that uh, he did take that team from a sub-500 as a sub-500 team, turn them into a 50-win team, but I think they already had the talent and he was kind of, he he wasn't unleashing Steph Curry and Klay Thompson's skills in the way that they needed to in order to accelerate as a franchise. So again, I don't know how he got a job as, a, as an NBA head coach and now he's on the lead announcing team for ABC. Like he's he's a part of the top announcing group in the NBA, and I still don't know how how he's gotten all this. Anyways, I've I've just gone off on a tangent about uh, ex NBA players who don't know what they're talking about. So, like I said before, it's nice to have some writers who know what they're talking about. Um. Let's get to a thing that I don't like. So one thing that I don't like about following the modern NBA is I don't like the fact that it's mainly just young millennials who cover the NBA. I don't want to be that guy who rips on millennials, but I don't like the fact that, and maybe I'm a part of that group too, that is... Uh, having a podcast here, and I'm sure I'm part of the problem with the NBA as far as all this, but I don't like the fact that, not to stereotype anyone in particular, but I don't like the fact that it's it's just a bunch of nerds who cover the NBA, that it's basically just a bunch of uh, young millennials with uh, dark hipster Clark Kent type of glasses that 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 cover the NBA, uh, some of whom, not all of them, but some of whom have elitist attitudes, like they feel like their opinions matter more than 
than anyone else, that they are above all of their fans and even above some of the players that are out there. Uh, like, again, I went, I went on to rip on ex-players who don't know what they're talking about sometimes. But again, there are some... There are some people who cover the NBA who who have these elitist attitudes, and I'm not a fan of it. I like a di- diversity of people uh, who cover the league, uh, people such as Mike Wilbon, for example, who even though he didn't play the game, I like the fact that a guy like him can have a different opinion than what the standard norm opinion is out there and convey it in an interesting uh, type of way. I miss the the columnist type of guys that you used to read uh, in the newspaper long ago. Like, I wish there were more of those types. And even a guy like, like, I know most Milwaukee Bucks fans can't stand him, but I'm probably one of the few that doesn't mind hearing from Gary Wolfel every now and then, even though there would be some opinions that he would get, that he would give that would be way out there. I still like the fact that he wasn't afraid to share his opinion with the public, even if it did sound sort of crazy sometimes. Sometimes people like that who give crazy opinions that like there will be some truth in the craziness that they that they give and i sort of miss hearing from that style of reporter sometimes too like there would be sometimes that wolfel would share a rumor that he would heard from that he had heard from a scout or from a gm that would be way off and there would be times uh where his his reporting would be spot on accurate so for example uh the he was like the first one to share the fact that the milwaukee bucks were interested in trading brandon jennings for brandon knight like he had heard that as some sort of side rumor uh and eventually like a few weeks after that 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 trade actually took place brandon jennings for brandon knight and chris middleton ended up being a throw-in in in that trade and obviously he was he ended up being the most important part of that trade, but things like that. I think he was the first one to report the fact that Larry Sanders was thinking about quitting the NBA. And there were people who thought that rumor was crazy and it turned out to be true. Um, There are other things that are a little crazy from him, but again, I miss sort of hearing the diversity of opinion out there i feel like there are some great things about nba twitter the fact that you can engage with people who have similar interests like if you try to talk about the nba on facebook for example uh most people won't be interested in that because it will be close friends and families who family members who don't necessarily have the same interests as you do so it is nice that we have a place like Twitter, where you can engage with people who have similar interests. However, I feel like there are times where there will be sort of a group think on there that everyone has to has to have the same established opinion as a particular writer. 
And if you don't have that opinion, you are ridiculed and mocked and bullied by other people who think you are insane. So I don't like the, whatever, the negative culture that sometimes takes place on Bucks Twitter, on NBA Twitter, and so forth. I've met some great people on there who I don't know that I would say I'm close friends with, but that I've developed a sort of a Twitter relationship with as far as fans go and so forth. I met some great people on Twitter, but there are some very mean people who will bash people who have the slightest opinion that differs from what the group is supposed to think. So I think NBA Twitter too has created a culture of journalists who who all act the same way. They all ask the appropriate questions to players. They all share like a robotic sort of reporting with NBA fans. They don't want to sound too outlandish. They don't want to sound too crazy. Like again, going back to the old columnist days, I, I miss the fact that there are sports columnists who have varying opinions about a particular topic and and would sometimes argue and disagree with each other. Like, I think healthy argument and disagreement isn't a bad thing. Uh, again, if it turns into bullying and gets too personal, it's not a good thing. But I miss the various opinions. Uh, what else did I put on here? As far as the actual NBA game, I sometimes miss the beauty of old school NBA basketball, the fact that there were more post-ups. I miss players like Tracy McGrady, who used to dominate from the mid-range area. We have seen sort of a return to that style of basketball in recent years. Uh, There was a time where all of the analytics people, all the nerds would tell you that, no, the only way that teams can be successful in this era of basketball is to play like the Golden State Warriors. Even though the Warriors would incorporate a lot of mid-range stuff into their game, like everyone has to be like the Houston Rockets and jacking up a ton of threes or taking it to the basket and... There are certainly a lot of teams that play like that, but we have sort of seen a return to guys who dominate from the mid-range area, players like Kawhi Leonard, and I guess LeBron has dominated from the mid-range for many years now, too. Uh, Guys like him, guys like Kevin Durant, for example, Jimmy Butler last year. So I think we are starting to see a return to some of that but again i miss watching old school games where post play was more prevalent where the mid-range game uh was more prevalent as well where people had to where pete where players had to work for their shots uh where it didn't come super easy to them where where defensive players were more physical with each other where there weren't all these hand-checking rules that they have nowadays and so forth. It feels like in today's era, too, like a guy like Duncan Robinson on the Miami Heat, I feel like has, I feel like a guy like him 
is too important in today's NBA. Like, I don't think a player like him should have, should be able to impact a game as much as he does. Like, you can have, like, great mid-range players, players with actual talent who do a lot of stuff. Those guys don't always win in the NBA because of players like Duncan Robinson who can hit a ton of three-point shots by basically standing in a spot and waiting for someone like Jimmy Butler to get them open. Like I get the fact that every team needs shooters on their team, but I hate the fact that players like him, players like, I don't know, sometimes you'll watch P.J. Tucker play and he'll get hot and he'll have too much of an impact on a game than he probably should have. It's it to me it's almost like a it's almost like having a field goal kicker having too big of an impact on a football game for only doing a limited amount of stuff. Like I don't know. I don't like that about today's modern NBA. Um but yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's my get off my lawn type of moment. Like I enjoy watching occasionally watching 1980s basketball, like watching an old Boston Celtics game where they get the ball inside to bird McHale and Parrish and seeing them uh, use the post game as a prevalent part of their offense. So I miss all that that kind of old school basketball. Again, there will be people who will say, who will say like, why, why is that such a big deal? Like the game is so advanced now and I don't get like post play is an ugly part of basketball. And it's good that the game is weeding that kind of stuff out now that you are seeing uh, point guards dominate the game, driving to the paint and so forth. I don't have a problem with those kinds of players. I just wish there was more of a diversity of play in the NBA than what we see right now. Not just all threes, not just all shots at the hoop. So I I miss old school basketball is what I'm trying to say. Um, what else? And I'm not going to get into politics in this episode, um, even though that has ruined the game for uh, some people out there. Um, so I'm not going to talk about that. Well, what else haven't I talked about? Um, another thing I dislike is sometimes stars won't star players won't seem as likable as they seemed in the past like the nba like the nba during the 1980s and 1990s i feel like did a much better job of promoting their stars uh david stern in particular there are some things that i don't like about uh david stern how he basically screwed the milwaukee bucks over in 2001 to get the philadelphia 76ers into the finals at least it felt like that as a fan. Like sometimes it felt like he had too much of an impact on those sorts of things. There are other things I don't like about David Stern. However, 
he did do a great job of marketing the NBA during the 1980s and 1990s, making sure his players were likable, using the NBA entertainment uh, style videos to promote to promote the game, whether it be the Michael Jordan videos, Michael Jordan, come fly with me, Michael Jordan's playground, Michael Jordan airtime, the Larry Bird videos back in the day. Uh, he he used the NBA entertainment to promote his game a lot better in that era. NBA inside stuff was a big deal. Uh, he used all of the all of the things that were popular in culture back in the back in that day to promote the NBA. Stars just seemed a lot more likable during the 1990s. Charles Barkley, for example, not being afraid to share what he actually thinks about a particular issue, being himself in interviews. I think Bill Simmons mentioned this too, like players today are too PR. Like they have, they listen to their PR representatives about how to answer every single interview question. They sound robotic and we don't get to hear authentic interviews from players like we like we used to hear back in the day uh with 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 Charles Barkley even Michael Jordan who was a pretty PR type of guy back in the day uh made sure he had he had a carefully crafted image like we got to see more of Michael Jordan during this recent last dance documentary series but even Michael Jordan back in that day seemed to have like a more authentic and relatable personality with fans. Uh, you got to, you got to see guys like David Robinson, Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm trying to think there are other players too. Like you got to see the emotion and enjoyment in their faces about the NBA game. I think that's what appeals people to Giannis today is just being able to see that smile uh, in his face to see that authentic personality that he has instead of like some of the some of the robotic interviews that players give in today's NBA. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. It might be. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe there is some sort of bias that I have against today's NBA players. Uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, right or wrong. I enjoyed following players during the old school NBA days a lot better than players today. Like, like sometimes too, it just feels like, like players, like for example, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, even Kevin Durant sometimes too, like they have this kind of attitude, like they are uh, better than everyone else. They are, better than certain players on other teams. They have like, I don't know if it's like a, a victim mentality that they have sometimes. I, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, I, I don't know. They like, there are some players today that just don't seem as likable as some players in the past. Anyways, those are my opinions. Maybe it's my, get off my lawn type of moment that I am sharing here. I still love the NBA. 
I still think it's a great game. Even though the game has changed, I still enjoy and love the NBA, but there are some things about old school NBA basketball that I wish would return. There are things I love about following NBA Twitter. There's some things, like I mentioned before, that I don't like that I that has sort of ruined part of my enjoyment as an NBA fan. I miss I miss the days as a kid. Like I grew up in the country, uh, in a country house. Like my family rented a house out in the country. I wasn't like ever a farmer or anything like that. I grew up playing on a gravel court with a basketball hoop hanging up on a barn and shooting over and over again. Sort of like if you see the movie Hoosiers, that's sort of when you see those farmhouses and those videos, that's sort of how my house was. And I grew up in the country shooting the ball over and over and over, but I never had cable as a kid because it would have cost too much to get it out to that farmhouse. Uh, so I used to have to always run down our long driveway, go to the mail, get the newspaper out and open it immediately to the sports section to see the box scores from the previous night's NBA action. And then reading what different writers had to say about the game, uh, reading their opinions about certain things. Like I miss those days of following the NBA and in our instant, our instant reaction society that we have nowadays, being able to see uh, the scores of a game right away, being able to see reaction right away on Twitter. Sometimes I feel like it does uh, ruin some of the game today that the it, it takes away some of the enjoyment that we used to have in following the NBA uh, back during the 1990s. That will probably be it for today's episode. Feel free to share your thoughts and opinions with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at delish04. Uh, you can listen to my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other podcast platforms. And I will talk to all of you again soon. Larry Johnson, the deals and the job's done.